What's going on, everybody? This is Ryan Henry, and welcome to 180, where we get to share amazing stories of Christian transformation from around the world. These stories will literally blow your mind. Follow us on your favorite podcast player, or you can visit us at 180podcast.com. That's O-N-E-80podcast.com. Today's show mentions self-harm and suicidal ideation. We sat down with Titiana Jones, and I have to tell you, she is Miss Miley, like the most joyful gal I've ever met. But it wasn't always that way. Ty was bullied as a young person, and struggled with self-harm and even thoughts of suicide. It was her brother who encouraged her while incarcerated. It was his faith that sustained her and helped her live into her Christ-given identity. Now, Ty's joy is contagious. Welcome to Ty's 180. Hi, it is so good to have you on our 180 show. How are you doing today? I am doing great. So good to be here, Ryan. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. We're so happy to have you. This is going to be a great conversation. I'm so, so excited. Awesome. Well, we'd like to start off our show with a random question and hope you like it. So Ty, if you knew you could live forever, how would you spend your days differently? If I knew I could live forever. Hmm. I probably would ask every question in the world without consequence. Like, because I wouldn't know there wouldn't be any consequences. So I would just ask a whole bunch of questions. Even if I didn't want to know the answer, I would just ask them. Wow. So you're questioning uh, to everybody. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Just want to know everything. Wow. That's a very unique way to spend your days just asking questions. You get along with my kids very well, they love to ask questions. Oh, man. Awesome. Let's jump into your story. So I'm from a little town in the south suburbs called Linwood. I was born in Indiana, but we Mm. moved to Linwood when I was born. And I've been there all 22 years of my life. I grew up with a single mom, and then my grandma has always been around. And my dad popped in and out every Mm. once in a while, but it's Mm -hmm. mainly been my mom. And then I have two older brothers. Well, okay, so growing up in Lidwood and basically raised by your mother, your grandmother, what was life like as far as the vibe in Linwood and just your community? And then also if you can start talking about the faith component, you know, how did that weave in there? So Linwood is a a small town, ethnically diverse, of course. Mm -hmm. So that was good. I had a couple close relationships with some of my neighbors. The youngest kids basically grew up together, so we all went to school together all our life. I grew up in church, so I've been going to church ever since I was in my mom's stomach. And I've been going to a church on the west side of Chicago. Cool. Far drive, but it's worth it. I still go when I have the chance. Okay, growing up, I know that you went to church, but just because you go to church doesn't mean that you, you know, believe in God even. Yeah. What was your personal view of God at the time? I definitely questioned, like, who is this person you're talking about? This doesn't seem real. So yeah. I definitely questioned it at first, but my youth leaders always helped me with that. 
Yeah. And they would explain it in terms that like I could understand as a child. So they worked their way in my life and basically taught me who God was and who Jesus was and the Holy Trinity and just took stories from the Bible and kind of made them like cartoony in a way. Mm. And from there, I just kept reading. And I think I joined church when I was like seven or eight, but I was baptized when I was little. So Okay. Wow. Wow. Mm-hmm. I love what you said about how your youth leaders made it kind of like cartoony for you to understand. Because mm-hmm. I think of Jesus doing that, like the way he shared his parables, like, let me give you something you can understand. So maybe you were a little confused uh, in the very beginning, not quite sure if this was real, but over time you started to be able to understand more about mm-hmm. who God was, okay? Did you understand that Jesus died for your sin and all that? I did, but I also was like, why would someone die for me if they don't even know me or know that I will mm-hmm. exist? And then I was like, well, my mom always told me that he's all-knowing so that I can believe it and like he just popped up in weird ways yeah. that I didn't expect him to when I was younger. And it just made me believe even more because I've had a kind of, I wouldn't say rough childhood, but I've had some rough experiences. So just seeing like different people in my life come in and help grow me and read me the Bible even more helped me with that a lot. Yeah, that's super good. You were mentioning that um, God like showed up in your childhood. It was kind of a rough childhood, but there were moments that he like showed up. Is there a particular like example that you could share of that? Yeah, plenty. So there was this one time where my brother was going through kind of a rough patch mm-hmm. and he was sent to a boot camp. Mm. So he was gone for a while. And that was kind of a struggle for me because my brother is like, we're like two peas in a pod. We have the same dad and the same mom. Yeah. So we get along really, really well. Mm. And he's the person that I go to when I'm struggling with anything. So when he was sent to the boot camp, I kind of felt like I lost like a half of me. Mm. We got to visit him every once in a while, but it's just not the same when he's actually like in the vicinity that you're in. Right. So I was struggling with that, and I was going through a bit of a depression stage. I was young, but kids are ruthless in school, so I was being bullied, and he was my support mm. and my encourager. So when he got sent to boot camp, I lost my way a bit, and I let people affect me, and I wasn't focused on God saying, like, you're my daughter, so you are fine, mm-hmm. and you can seek refuge in me, and I was trying to find that elsewhere. Yeah. My brother was that reminding factor for me. That's so cool. That's your oldest? Because you have two older brothers, Yeah, right? it's the oldest. My the oldest brother. one. Oh, that's so cool. So he was kind of like that solid rock for you during that really hard time. Yeah. Was there any th- other things that really made life difficult in this time? So pretty much my entire upbringing, I was bullied. And that just made my entire life just rough because I started to believe it. And it was just terrible when I was questioning God, like, why? Did you make me look so different? So it just made life rough, but my brother helped make life better. And he's the reason why I'm like so close to God because he's like, you got to just pray about it. And it made life better. Would you say that that time when you're getting really bullied, that that was like your all time low? No, I think my all time low was when my brother was sent to prison. Mm. Um, 
that really broke me because he was gone and he I was there for his sentencing and he was sentenced to 40 plus years. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it was rough. Oh, my gosh. How did you handle that? Um, I cried <laughs> and then I was told not to cry and to pray by my mom and my grandma. They didn't. Um, we got to see him one last time before he got sent away. And my grandma and my mom was like, stop crying. Like, he doesn't need to see you cry. He's already upset. And she told me, just pray for him and pray with him and you'll be fine. And um, she told me that everything happens for a reason. So that that altercation actually ended up saving him because now he's like an even better person than what he is, what he was and has way better friends. Um so it's she said you just have to trust God and he'll be home soon. So I started doing that and he told me the same thing. So it made it a little easier for me to accept that. Wow, that must have been so hard, especially because you said earlier that he was like your second half. Yeah, it it was like a part of me was being ripped away. So it was very hard. Where was God in all that? He was a, he was definitely there because my brother, you know, when people get sentenced, they sometimes can have an irrational reaction and just lose faith altogether. But my brother is very prayerful and he still is to this day. So when we have calls, he prays sometimes with me. Or he'll ask me, like, how can I help you or what's wrong? Are you okay? Um, so he's he's definitely there and he's definitely still working because now my brother has um, the opportunity to fight his case again. And we didn't think that um, that would happen because of his sentencing, but it happened. So that's that's nobody but God trying to send him home. Wow. So. That's amazing. So life is going on. Your brother gets sentenced to 40 years in prison. Where did things go for you? Yeah, so... Um, He's been locked up since I believe I was in middle school. So ever since then, he's been away. Um, but it really spiraled for me to when I didn't have anybody to talk to once I became a freshman in high school. And that's when the bullying got 10 times worse. And I became very suicidal and depressed. So I didn't have my rock with me. So I kind of just questioned God a lot and was like, why is this happening to me? Like, what did I do? I've been going to church. I've been praying and leaning on you. So why am I struggling and being treated this way? And um, my brother would, when he calls, he would be encouraging to me. He didn't really know for a while that I was struggling because I don't like tell people when I'm struggling. So he was like, something's off, like our calls aren't the same, like you're not happy. So he kind of knew Then my mom kind of knew because I lost my happiness. Like I'm bubbly now, but I wasn't. Um, so they kind of saw the shift in me and it was hard to open up, but I just opened up to my mom and then she told my brother that your sister's struggling because she knows that he's the, he's like really easy for me to talk to. So then I told him and he I wouldn't say he was angry, but he was a little upset that he wasn't there to help me get through that time. So he felt like a little bit was his fault. But then we like prayed together and I was talking to my pastor at the time and he prayed for both of us. And kind of from there, things just kind of went uphill. Um, 
just with the prayers and he said that it's just the devil trying to bring me down because he's not there. My brother's very wise, which is great. Um, I And just seeing him keep his hope and faith in God, even when he's in a terrible situation, encouraged me as well. And he told me that I am God's perfect daughter and I'm perfect in his eyes and that people will come into my life who want to be in my life and to grow with me. So I have to just let certain people go and accept others. And since then, I've been getting really good friends and I kept some of my childhood friends and they're really encouraging. And my brother loves my one friend, Max, because we grew up together and he's still in my life to this day. And it's just been very great, great experience. You said something that I think a lot of people can relate to. You were talking about being in the midst of this depression and having these suicidal thoughts. What was that like to feel like, okay, I've been going to church, I've been doing the things, but this seems like life is not working. What did that moment feel like? Or what did that season, how intense did it get? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, It was pretty intense. My mom, I think my mom was the main benefactor there because she kind of had this moment where she was like, you're doing this to yourself. I didn't know because I didn't see it. Because people that usually self-harm do it in places where no one can see it. Um, So it kind of like puts them in control in a way. So that's kind of how I felt like I was in control of my life um, instead of things just going awry and not my way. Um, But I think it was my mom saying, why do you want to take your life away when you know we love you so much? And that kind of hit really hard. And I just started bawling because my mom, being a single mom, I know it was rough for her. So if one thing goes bad for me, why do I just feel the need to give up when she, like, fought so hard to keep going um, and to raise us? So I think that moment, even though it was really tough and it was really hard and it was just a bunch of empty, dark space, that phrase that she said to me really hit close to home because I knew that my mom loved me. And that meant more to me than any bully in the entire world trying to hurt me. Wow, that's so powerful. That's like a major flip of your thought process. I would imagine it was so hard to be in what you were in, but when you are in those moments, it's so easy and it's also very sneaky because you don't realize it, but you can get very me, me, me. Why is all this happening to me? But for you, it sounded like it switched and it changed when you were able to think about how are my decisions going to impact other people? Yeah. And especially other people who really love me. Yeah, because it wasn't just happening to me. Like, it was happening to her. It was happening to my grandma. It wasn't just happening to me. It was happening to everyone around me. And I I had the, like, the thought, like you said, like, I had that thought of, well, if I was to take my life, how would that make my brother feel when he tried so hard to keep me on the right track? So that really helped me come out of it. You said you were baptized around like eight? Yeah, I was young. You were young, okay. How did you come back to Christ? Or is it even fair to say coming back to Christ? Would you say that it was more of an awakening? We actually have a word for this. It's called a reckoning, where there's like an extra step between that moment you come to Jesus and when it becomes real and there's like real change in you. We refer to that as a reckoning. Can you pinpoint a time where you were like, okay, I'm coming back. I'm coming to the Lord and I'm all in. Mm-hmm. I think it definitely became real when 
someone who's behind bars, aka my brother, keeps his faith even when he's in a tough situation and he just keeps pouring into me. And that's how I knew, like, this is real. This is God's plan for my brother to continue to be my rock with God through him, to continue to pray for me. And that helped me not lose hope. If my brother didn't lose hope, then why should I? And he's in a way tougher situation than I'm in. Wow. When the lack of joy and how your mom was noticing that things were different, your brother noticed Mm -hmm. things were different. When did it start to shift? How did it start to shift? It definitely shifted one day when I was on a long call with my brother. Like, you only get a certain amount of time, but he kept calling back. And we were just talking about how our, like, how life was. And my brother doesn't really cry, but he was crying. And I was very astonished because I've never really seen him cry. And he was crying that I was, like, hurting a lot. And he just started praying. And that really awakened me for sure, for sure that he's even praying and it's not even his pain, if that makes sense. Oh my gosh. Yeah, very powerful. My brother is definitely a warrior and I definitely look up to him even when he's not even here. Oh man, that's so beautiful. And even in prison, God can use and move through people. I think Mm -hmm. that's something that people often don't realize, but there's such a move of God that's happening in the prisons. Your brother just be an example of that, how like your life is still valuable, even though you've made mistakes and you're having to go through the consequences of those mistakes, but God still sees you as a a valuable life. And if you're willing, God can use you in amazing ways. It's even better to see him now because... He just looks, first of all, he just looks so good. Like, he looks like he's not even in prison. He looks that great, Um, which is great. Like, he doesn't, some people that go to prison, they just lose everything. Like, they lose that hope. They lose faith. And he looks very healthy and has a well mind and a sound mind. And he's even reading. Like, he loves to read, and he's still doing that. And he's the reason why his case is being fought again, because he contacted a lawyer through my mom and did all the research on his own. And I was like, wow, like you still have faith and hope that you are coming home. And he'll tell me, yeah, I'll be home. I'll be home real soon. Don't don't worry. And I'm like, I have so much faith. I love this. Oh, that's so good. That night of prayer, that long phone call with him, Mm -hmm. what happened in your heart? I definitely felt like my heart jumped for joy mm. because I I feel like there was something he said. I don't 100% remember everything he said because I was bawling. <laughs> but there was I think there was something he said or asked God to do for me. And I felt like a reassurance that things will be will be fine and get better for me. Thanks for listening to 180. We really appreciate your likes and shares. Please consider leaving us a review on your favorite pod player. Now, back to the show. And they definitely have. um, Being the only child to go to school right now, um, and the amazing people that I'm surrounded by, it definitely has changed and things are definitely better. And my mental health is better. And I've been way more hopeful and more connected to God. And I pray a lot more. 
And when he'll call, he'll pray with me or for me or I'll pray for him. And it just keeps us going. Wow, that's so cool. I love that. So, okay, from that phone call, how did things progress? What happened next? And how old were you when that happened? I was in high school. So maybe like 16. Okay, so from 16 to 22 now, how did things progress? Very well. (laughs) Yeah, talk to us about it. It was very, they progressed really well, which is surprising, but not surprising at all. Right. Um, From there... I ended up dropping a lot of friends that were trying to take me down the wrong path. And I got (laughs) new friends who I'm still friends with to this day. All right. And I had a couple of friends that weren't even Christians at the time, except Christ, which is good. Mm. And more friends even open to the possibility of, um, you know, going to Christian schools Mm. and just trying to connect with people that don't know God Mm. and going, like, I found that excitement to go to church again. I joined my church choir. All right. And it's just been great. Um, I definitely have that joy for God again. Mm. And yeah, there are some times where sometimes I doubt certain things. But at the same time, I just get wrapped back around to knowing God has this under control and I will be fine Yeah. because of how encouraging my brother was. So yeah, that's never amazing. found myself going back down that path, which is amazing because right. it was very scary. Right. It was- yeah. It's cool to hear that you turned from self-harm and started walking a new walk. Do you feel like other people noticed the change in you? I definitely do. Um, My best friend, Max, that I talked about a little earlier, he definitely did. And then after your prayer with your brother and he started to make changes, do you think he noticed that there was a a change for the positive? I definitely think he did because when he heard that I joined the choir at church, he was like, that's where you need to be. He's like, we have singing and praise in our blood and you're where you need to be. And he was just happy to know that I was happy to be singing because me and him are both musical and it's great. And he was very excited to hear that I was singing and worshiping the Lord, and it was great. So cool. It's such an amazing story, and what you were caught in is such a destructive thing. Mm -hmm. But that type of thing, that self-harm, that self-hatred is so real. And so many people, I think, especially your generation, is struggling with that. What would you say to your old self or to listeners who might be in that same spot? What would you want to say to them? I would definitely say that you are not alone. And you can definitely find someone to talk things through with. And as long as you trust in the Lord that he is your refuge and your protection and will bring good people into your life to bring you out of that darkness, you are in a good state. That's amazing. Well, you heard it straight from Ty. Overcomer Ty. I'm going to start calling you Overcomer Ty. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Uh, That works. What are you doing now? And how did you get that? What is God doing in your life and opening up? different opportunities. Talk to us about that. Hmm. Yeah. So I ended up getting a scholarship from the bridge program. Um, As a high school student, I did the bridge program at Wheaton College, which is a college readiness program for minorities. And I did that program 
And from that program, I gained a four-year full tuition scholarship to Wheaton College, which is great. And I attended as the first child of three. And it was great. It was a great experience, and I was so happy. So I am currently in my last semester um, this fall, and I graduate in December. And I'm so excited for that. So definitely a lot of doors have been opened for me to connect with more people and to connect with more Christians my age, which has been such a blessing. And then I'm also the president of the gospel choir in my school, and that has definitely been a blessing as well. So, so many opportunities to grow in leadership and to lead people and to grow in my Christianity as well has definitely been happening in these past few years, and it's definitely been great. Wow, that's so amazing. I'm going to start calling you President Overcomer, Ty. <laughs> <laughs> it's a lot of titles it's, it's a lot keep running hard because god's definitely got such an amazing call in your life this is a great story thank you so much for being on our show thanks for having me it's been great yes we are excited to share this show with the world i'm excited yay <laughs> yay god <laughs> one more thing ty would you pray for anyone who is in your place it's like self-harm depression would you pray for them i definitely will um, dear God, we come to you humbly as your children to pray for those who are struggling. Um, we pray for those who are struggling with their mental health, Lord, and with self-harm, Lord. We pray that you just let them know that you are a protector and their refuge, Lord, and that you created their bodies, Lord, beautiful, and that they are your child and they are always loved, Lord, and they can come to you with any problems that they have. Um, Lord, we pray against the devil, Lord, who is trying to take control of their minds. Lord, we know that you beat him in every situation, Lord. So we just pray that people who are in pain, Lord, just come to you in prayer and let them know that they are surrounded by love and they are not alone in these situations. We thank you for who you are and we thank you for sending your son to die for our sins. And we love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you so much. Thanks. Thanks for listening today. Ty will soon graduate from Wheaton College. If you want to encourage her, message her on Instagram at queen.ty20. For our send-off, the Wheaton College Gospel Choir did this special thank you for Ty. Please enjoy. I'll give thanks unto the Lord. For he is good, yes he is good. Oh give thanks unto the Lord, for he is good, yes he is good. For he is worthy, for he is good, yes he is good. For he is worthy, worthy, for he is good, yes he is good. For he is good, yes he is good, for he is good, yes he is good. Thank you, thank you, thank you, from our hearts, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, from our hearts. Yeah.
love you guys. Love you guys. Love you. Woo Hey, yo. 180 is a production of One Way Ministries.